0: This is Kanzen Shu, the podcast, episode 399 for the week of March 20th, 2016. What is up? Welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast, an extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fansite. Kanzen Shu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of the entertaining. Once again, it is me. I am Mike Vegito Ex. I'm starting up the episode for you. I will wrap up the episode for you. I have a wonderful guest, not really a guest because he's one of the other Kanzen Shu guys uh, joining me for a topic this week. What is on tap for you? We have a full episode. And hear me, I'm getting right into it. Uh, these last few episodes, the uh, recording the topic gets me even more excited for producing the show because I know what's in store for you. This week, we are continuing our impromptu apropos of nothing series on name translations in Dragon Ball. Uh, We have a topic for you entirely dedicated to the word, the phrase Majin, where it came from, how it's used outside Dragon Ball, and how it actually has been translated, perhaps unbeknownst to you, in Dragon Ball in both the TV series and the comic book. So Jake Herms will be joining me this episode to talk about Majin. Other than that, Uh, It's actually been a really slow week. I'm recording this Sunday morning, so we had our first episode of Super in two weeks last night. Episode 35 just aired in Japan. Uh, The news has been very light, so I don't really have a news section for you, but to run things down, well, we got the cover art for Toyotaro's first collected volume of the Super manga. We know there's going to be an interview with him and Toriyama in it. That's due out April 4th. And then the only other interesting thing that we've posted so far is Hit did have a speaking role in episode Episode 35 of Super, played by Kazuhiro Yamaji. That's... The news this last week. Uh, I say that V Jump, the May 2016 issue of V Jump, did just come out yesterday in Japan on the 19th. We're still waiting for our copy to arrive and we'll cover all the news in it. There is news on the new 3DS game, which appears to now be called Fusions, not Project Fusion, but uh, we do want to, of course, independently confirm all the Japanese text in the magazine ourselves. So you can look forward to that coverage of that game and anything else that's in the issue in the very near future this week. So without an actual news segment for you this week, what I wanted to do instead is follow up on last week's podcast episode. I had a great time recording that Legends retrospective with Randy. We got a lot of feedback on that episode. I think that's the kind of thing people have been craving and really waiting for and anticipating. Um, that really meaty stuff that, honestly, I, I feel like we do the best. And I'm really proud of that. Uh, we talked about the game itself, but also the atmosphere of the time what were the other games that were available? How was Legends different? Something that we were able to share was that behind the scenes commentary from the game developers themselves from that special text file on the game disc. So what I wanted to do is actually we haven't done this in a while, share some of that feedback that we received on Twitter, on Facebook, on our forum, um, because I really appreciated receiving these comments and it seems like you all appreciated that episode. So let's share the appreciation with a few of these comments. DJ Kirby J on Twitter says, I was just listening to Legends music yesterday. Kind of out of nowhere and now you hit me with another nostalgia shot thanks well uh no problem there um ryan our buddy caster said uh, a few things here i own both the legends dbz games for the pc engine and the playstation and never realized the playstation one was a spiritual sequel so yeah i think a lot of people kind of missed out on that um the pc engine game the turbo graphics game was uh a bit more complicated uh it was a, a first trial run of that game system a lot of people didn't pick up on the connections there something else ryan shared uh, I, I wanted to say this for a variety of reasons and, and this is not just uh patting selves on the back kind of thing ryan said uh this is like the most amazing and you podcast episode ever good job randy and mike i want to share that because um you're going to hear something later this episode in teasing next episode uh, diving back to the early days of dragon ball fan sites there was a lot of animosity back then and a lot of us didn't get along we don't really know why we didn't get along back then and it really warms my heart that some of us are still around and we've been able to become friends and to be able to share this kind of positive feedback um so ryan thank you that actually really means a lot i'm really glad that you in particular enjoyed that episode good buddy the devil's corpse in response to the episode on twitter says can't help but wonder if he'd be less." obscure that's in response to ozoto if those plans hadn't fallen through if you go back and listen to that episode we did a uh, a little addendum to our rumor guide as well majin ozoto had originally been planned to carry over from vrvs into legends those plans fell through yeah it would be really curious in this alternate universe maybe universe six to see if uh, ozoto had been more well known outside of uh just the kind of niche japan times Jet Jaguar said it had nothing to do with the topic. Street Fighter 5 and a KonZenshu podcast. Best combination. (laughs) I appreciate that. So I'm glad you could uh, be playing a fighting game while listening to a conversation about a more different fighting game. Taking things over to Facebook, Jason shared uh, a wonderfully long story all about uh, discovering the game and what it meant to him growing up. Just going to read a a short selection from it here. When I first got to finally play it I was greeted by familiar territory with the sign and the Frieza story arcs but was overwhelmed by new content when I came upon the artificial humans arc and onward. I remember shortly after my first playthrough the action caused the picture tube and the TV I was using to blow out. Then by the end of the school year I took the game and Saturn to school and all the other kids were blown away by it. That's horrifying to know that Legends may have destroyed your television. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I think it was worth it though, right? Over on our forum on Consenshu in response to the episode, uh, a couple things Blade said here. Being a fan in the UK, when I came into the franchise around 1999, getting hold of imported Japanese copies of the three PlayStation games was like an open door into a world that the television broadcast wasn't going to get to anywhere near for years to come. I remember how excited I was for Final Bout being, at the time, an incredibly pretty looking game. But I call even as a 10 year old the frantic and unique battle mechanics of legends captivated me completely to this day even with an awareness of the effect nostalgia has upon me is probably my favorite dragon ball game going even more internationally here i mean anything outside of the u.s is international for us whatever uh mc dave g shared uh quite a bit here as well there was this magazine level in the czech republic which was mainly about pc video games but sometimes the consoles got the spotlight as the console community wasn't that big in the nineties. 90- here. And there was a one-page article on DBZ Legends with screenshots, but the game was mislabeled as Dragon Ball Z Dragon Quest for whatever reason. There was this screenshot of Vegito flying backwards from the enemy, and it looked awesome as the picture was small. He wraps up saying, as you said, every game was awesome. In retrospect, the only other good game I revisit to this day sometimes from nostalgia is Super Puto 2. Puto shared with us the European version removed the Joji Yanami narration and additionally had an atrociously incompetent translation of French. For example, Z-Senshi, Z-Warriors, was translated as Super Saiyans, a misspelling of Super Saiyans or Super Science," and Saiyajin was translated as Uh, Basically, space mercenaries, presumably based on the series French dub using space warriors. So the chapter with the Nappa Vegeta fight was essentially translated as space mercenaries versus the super science. And it doesn't get any better from there. Hell, even the loading screen has a typo on it. Truly a translation of legend. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Yeah, that's one of those things where, yeah, you technically got the game but it was translated like garbage, it sounds like. Rap Raddy shared, I think what made this game so special, and you guys touched on this, was the animation. It was stylized in a way that modern games are incredibly afraid to do, but the result was a kinetic and frantic sense of battle that is unique to this title. The way the camera can't quite keep up with you as you're ping-ponging your prey around was incredibly effective and satisfying. Obviously, this is something that only really works in the single-player game, and I think in their quest to craft a competitive, balanced fighter, devs are missing out on delivering the definitive Dragon Ball video game experience. Bunch more comments. Uh, I could read for a while here, but I really want to share some of those things. Uh, I think it really just was one of those topics that resonated with people, and that makes me extremely proud, extremely happy. Uh, hopefully, we can do something like that again in the near future. Uh, maybe with a little game called Dragon Ball Z Hyper Dimension for the Super Famicom, which as of next week is itself officially 20 years old. Holy cow. Things that were contemporary as I was getting into the series uh, are now turning 20, that is a horrifying thought there uh yeah that's going to be our next game retrospective it sounds like people really enjoyed it this is uh, a series that i've been wanting to do on the podcast for a long time i do have someone in mind for that episode and we'll see if we can get them on uh and i think mary would probably want to join that episode too hyperdimension is an important part of her early fandom so i have no real uh exact time frame for when to expect that but uh, a hyperdimension retrospective is on the table so with that all out of the way that's uh, I think a good introduction for the episode Now we have our topic portion of the show. Jake Herms is going to join me. We are going to talk about the word, the phrase, the title, the name. We'll discuss that. Majin. Our topic this week, it kind of stems from what we've been talking on and off about for a few weeks now. It's something that interests me because I'm in control of the show. I dictate what the topics are going to be. But this is one of those ones I kicked out there. And very quickly, uh, Jake responded, I feel like it's something very much up your alley. So, Jake, hi. We're going to talk about Majin this week. Yes, we are. Sure is a word. Now, this is definitely one of those words, phrases, titles. We'll get to what exactly Majin is is we're in 2016, and this is absolutely one of the things that if you change now, you just look like a hipster asshole. It's really difficult to translate Majin in the context of Dragon Ball and just not be looked at like a crazy person. Are we in that position now where we're going to do something for it and we're just jerks for the sake of being jerks?
1: Well, Viz did it years and years ago, and people, at the time, they did
0: say people went ballistic, more or less, but... Well, there is that
1: precedent, at
0: least. Yeah, and and I was kind of one of those people that lost it on them. I, th- I feel like for different reasons, but we'll get to uh, Viz's decision in a little bit. So Majin, man, Jake, this has come up because we did change our spellings for Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo. We went with the exact Disney spellings again because the spellings in Japanese are exactly from the song. And along with Boo is this name, this title, this phrase Majin. Um, So first off, Jake, can you put it in context for Boo? We're going to start with Boo and then we're going to jump all the way back to the beginning. What is Majin as it relates to Boo? Is it part of his name and is it part of any other characters' names?
1: Well, that's the tricky part. In the context of Dragon Ball, they never explicitly define this term. It's just Kaioshin when he's explaining Boo's history, he just throws it out there. He's, oh, Majin Boo. Mm, yeah. And so at no point do they stop and define what a Majin is. And so that's why we kind of have to go and look at how it's used in other series and how it's translate into English elsewhere to get a feel of exactly what it means. Right, It's used, I mean, with anyone who's familiar with the Funimation dub, obviously, they see it's just right there in front of his name, Majin Buu, a good chunk of the time, not always, a lot of the time he's just referred to as Mm Buu, but it is treated almost like... A first name for him in a way. If you're looking at it in English, it kind of looks that way because it's just, you know, alphabet letters for Majin, alphabet letters for Boo. From an English person's
0: perspective, they're just both gibberish words. Right. And they're both capitalized to start with. So it does look like this formal name for this character.
1: But then if you look at it in Japanese, Majin is written in kanji, whereas Boo is written in katakana, which creates the distinction that... Bu would be the person's proper name. And then Majin, like you said, it looks almost like a title preceding his name.
0: How does Majin compare then to something like Senin or Kaio or Kaio Shin even?
1: Well, in the case of those characters, we only have their titles and we never know their true names, if they have any. But mm-hmm. it, I, I would say Majin in this case is most comparable to Hakai with Bierce. Okay. Because Bierce, you know, his proper name is Bierce. His title is Hakaishin, God of Destruction. And in Japanese, he's often referred to as Hakaishin Bierce. Mm. And then this gets translated into English as Bierce, the God of Destruction.
0: Well, let's go, like I said, all the way back. Uh, what is the origin of Majin, totally separate from Dragon Ball? Like, where does it start? So this breaks down
1: into two kanji, which are um, characters in Japanese which derive from Chinese characters. They have um, different potential readings depending on the situation, but an inherent idea. They're ideographic. That's the short explanation. But so Ma is the character for either magic or demon, depending on the context. Okay. And then Jin is so the same Jin as in a Saiyajin. It's just a person, a man. A, well, it's gender neutral. So it's like a human... Um, And the thing is, okay, there's actually two different words for Majin that are both pronounced as Majin, which is sort of confusing. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay, I guess we might as well get this out of the way now. But there's Majin with the character for person and then... Majin with the character for god and simply by coincidence these are both in this case pronounced
0: Majin. I guess we can talk about how various kanji have different readings um, I know we've talked about this before but in Majin specifically as it relates to Bu the Jin there as you said uh, also in sayajin but Jinzo Ningen it's actually the first and the third kanji are the exact same kanji but because of the words they're part of in the surrounding context they have different meanings so for this alternate Majin reading you're saying that's the kanji for what? For God. For God, okay. And so it's the same
1: the cong, same kanji in kami, in mm-hmm. Kaioshin. shin. And so from shin, in this case, the sh becomes a j sound. So it becomes, from ma shin, it becomes ma jin. Got it. And... Actually, it's funny. Sometimes in Japanese, people will mistakenly write Majin Buu's name with the kanji for God. Mm. And in fact, like if you go to Japanese Wikipedia, they have an entry on Majin and they do explain like theoretically speaking, if they use the character for person, it it's like a Majin who's closer to a human being, whereas with God, it's. As you might expect, it's a more godlike entity. But they they admit that in practice, these words are pretty much used interchangeably a good deal of the time.
0: And Boo is kind of, uh, in, I don't know how to phrase it, because he's neither a human in the context that we would normally think, but he's not really a god either. But he has the power that just exceeds the, the gods in this universe, who so he's kind of thought of as almost a god of destruction in some ways.
1: Yes, yeah, so if you... Think about it in that way. So it's a magic or demonic person, mm-hmm. or as you might think, a somebody with magical supernatural powers, which is also like, okay, if you go by the definition on Wikipedia, a margin is like someone with supernatural powers that defy those of ordinary humans, and they appear in mythology a lot of the time. And so this word is actually used often to refer to, for instance, the Ashura of Hindu mythology. Oh, of course. And then, um, here we go, the <clears throat> Jinn or Genie of <laughs> Arabian mythology and other examples like that. And I guess, if do we want to go from, go through some examples of this word in outside of Dragon Ball or... Yeah.
0: Exactly. Let, let's stick maybe even pre-Dragon Ball and maybe we'll run into contemporary with Dragon Ball. What What are some of these other characters or roles in other franchises, other popular media, other literary works? Who else is a Majin out there?
1: Apart from just generic uh, figures from mythology, like one of the big ones is the genie from the story of Aladdin. Okay, and so first off, there's the Japanese translation of the original uh, folk story, which often i've I looked around a bit, and sometimes they' used the God form of Majin and sometimes the person form of Majin to refer to the genie from the story. And then for the Disney movie, usually with the genie from that movie, you know, in the movie in English he's referred to his they Genie use, yeah it's his proper name and they follow that in Japanese as well he's referred to as Genie but then sometimes they stick Majin in front so he's referred to as Majin Genie oh interesting yeah and in that case they use the person form of Majin and then there's all there's other various like instances of Genie in other series where they use Majin there's the I'm not familiar with the latest uh, generation of Pokemon, but apparently there is one called Hoopa, which is vaguely genie based. And so it has like two forms, one of which is he's like imprisoned or restrained. And then he has like a big evil looking form. And the second form is referred to in Japanese as a Majin Pokemon, which is translated in the game as a Jin Pokemon. Oh, all right. You know, Jin with the... D J I N N, which, you know, long story short, our word genie comes from this Arabic word. And so they're essentially just two different ways of saying the same thing. Okay. In One Piece, this is jumping around a bit chronologically, but it pops up a few times in this series, often translated as demon, but there's the giant zombie monster Orz, who in that case, it's translated in, I guess, in the official. Translation as a devil. Okay, that makes sense. And then in Digimon, uh, there's a cat- a whole category of Digimon called Majin Digimon. And some of these, it's like half and half if they're magic-based ones or like demonic-based. Okay. So for instance, well, there's Lampmon, who is literally just a genie Digimon, comes out of a lamp, okay. tur- <laughs> turban on <laughs> his head. And so he's a Majin one. And then um, Taumon, who's like a Taoist wizard. And then they have Ashuramon, who's based off the Ashura again. Okay. And then... Astamon, who's he's more of like a just um, he's from Astaroth, Judeo Christian demon, and then wizard. They it's used for essentially, if you I'm looking through this list, it's mostly wizards. It seems like wizards and magic users predominate over strictly demonic ones, at least as far as that series goes. This is really bizarre. The Japanese title for the original Bella Lugosi Dracula movie is in Japanese Majin Dracula. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. There's this manga series, which is called just... Its actual title is Majin, the kanji, and then the English word devil. Mm -hmm. So obviously in that case, that's how they translated it. And then, oh, there's the um, jump series... Literally in Japanese, it's uh, Majin Detective Neuro, which is translated in English. The official translation is Supernatural Detective Neuro. Mm. And the character Neuro, who's called Majin in Japanese, the tra- English translation uses Demon. Got it. Then in Yu-, Yu Yu Hakusho, this is a bit weird. They don't use it in the series proper, but there's this is kind of a spoiler. Okay, there's a form of one of the characters, which is called Majin in some of the video games. And in that case, again, it's more like a demon, a devil man. Mm-hmm. And very bizarrely, I don't know if you're familiar with the heavy metal band Wasp. I am not. Okay, but uh, their self-titled debut album in Japanese, for whatever reason, was renamed Majin Den, or Legend of the Majin. Okay. Anyway, so that's my brief overview of uses of the term outside of Dragon Ball.
0: I want to hit one more that uh, our friend Rachel noted uh, on uh, Twitter just before we started recording. And this is about Final Fantasy, but I kind of want to pull it over to Chrono Trigger, which I know you recently replayed. Did you replay in Japanese? Yeah. Okay. So this is going to work really well. Um, So Final Fantasy III is the first Final Fantasy game to use the job system where you start as one particular type of role and then you can even upgrade that type of role. So what we know as the Black Mage in Final Fantasy III can move on to its expanded version of that role, which in the English localization is called Magus. Now, Rachel says that in Japanese, this next role up from Black Mage is Majin, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Jake, can you tell us about the character in Chrono Trigger that we know as Magus and his various titles? Well, in Japanese he's
1: called Mao, which is again just king, the character for king with that same ma,
0: so Right, Demon King.
1: Yeah, depending on context, it could be Demon King or Magic King. And he's kind of both. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they often, a lot of stories will use that ambiguity. Yeah. Like also in Chrono Trigger, there's the Mazoku, the demon race, who are, they're demonic creatures, but they're also defined by, they're the only race that can use magic. I, I want to talk about Mazoku with Dragon Ball too, so we'll get to that. But anyway, so uh, with Magus in Japanese, he's Mao, which is the same, Mao, Demon King, is the same title in Dragon Ball for. Piccolo Daimao, the great demon king. And then Dabra is not within the series proper, but in some of the games, he's also called just a regular demon king. And so they translated this for, in the case of Chrono Treater, it was adapted into English as Magus because Magus comes from Magi. It's like a wise man, a wizard Mm -hmm. in uh, Zoroastrianism, I believe. And so that's, it's, the English translation actually adapts it two separate ways with the character himself. He's called Magus, Magus. And, but some, like, they treat that almost as his name, I guess, but. Also they translated as Fiend Lord.
0: And I wonder what's different because I didn't play the original Super Nintendo translation, I only played the DS translation. So I think they played that version or that um that way of translating up in the DS version.
1: Yeah, like I know the his castle, which in Japanese is just like Mao Jo Demon King Castle. In the English version, it's translated as Fiend Lord's Keep.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: then other instances where Fiend Lord pops up, but I have to assume in the case that they used Magus for no, in large part because it's five characters long, which was the character limit right. they were dealing with for character names, which is also why Chrono, they had to take out the H. H yeah. Just because, you know, they had these technical restraints for how long a name could be. Otherwise, they might have just called him Fiend Lord all the time, possibly. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. All right. So, what's next? Do we take it to Dr. Slump now?
1: Yeah. So, prior to Dragon Ball, with T- Toriyama used the term in Dr. Slump for a Majin of the T pot who is essentially just a genie in the most generic way you could imagine where he he, as the name implies he comes out of a teapot he's trapped in there and then there's this bad guy from a vaguely middle eastern themed country who uses this as his final weapon and so this majin comes out and he looks very similar to boo with the vest and the kind of baggy pants and the pointy shoes right and he's big and yeah And he has the ponytail, which you see a lot of with genies. Yeah. And in Boo's case, he doesn't have a literal ponytail. He just has the tentacle.
0: Yeah, yeah, his antenna up top, sure.
1: Which I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that's like the kind of unique, his unique version of that generic genie hairstyle. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so this um, Majin, this genie comes out he beats up Auralay and Gachan. He's just eventually defeated by Sun Sukusun, who pulls a Gohan and gets really mad and just (laughs) throws him off into the distance where he can't bother anyone anymore. So he's probably, he's still out there to this day. Still out there, exactly. And then this same character appears in one of the Dr. Slump movies, which loosely retells this sort of mini-story arc. Okay, I don't know how Viz translated this term for their edition of the Dr. Slump manga. Did you look that up?
0: Uh, I didn't, but I can go grab it if you can tell me what volume it's in
1: <laughs> i don't know because i only own the slump kanzin bond
0: all right well start talking and i'm gonna go over and grab a couple volumes <laughs> okay well uh, i'm going to bet
1: 15 dollars that they translated as genie just because that in that this context like there's just no two ways about it it's just the most genie-esque character you can imagine but then in the um the movie version which was released by discotech uh i actually Uh, prompted them to use genie in their subtitles they're going to use majin believe they switched it to genie at my behest but i not i can't quite remember now because it was a few years ago
0: i wonder if this is the line a terrible monster resides within that teapot should he open it the whole island will be in danger
1: yeah that's probably it yeah so so they went with monster then so i now owe you 15 dollars
0: Alright, cool. So, wrapping up Dr. Slump, what is the first instance of Majin in Dragon Ball? Do we go to Movie 2 here?
1: Yeah, chronologically, this would be first by a small margin. Dragon Ball Movie 2 is Majinjo no Nemuri Hime, translated by Funimation as Sleeping Princess in Devil's Castle. And so in this case, Joe, Devil's Castle, it's the Majin again, but in this case, it's the God version of Majin. Mm, okay. It is, I find it very interesting that Funimation got away with just calling it Devil's Castle.
0: And you know, that really makes sense, because it's the God version of this thing, kind of the antithesis of God would, I suppose, be the Devil. That yeah. makes sense. I mean, it makes
1: sense, but like, for censorship reasons, yeah. like... Yeah,
0: I-, I guess because it was a home video release only, yeah. and they weren't with Saban anymore, they kind of had no idea what they were doing. Um, I feel like... Devil Sleeping Princess in Devil's Castle was the de facto translation online at that time anyway. So Mm -hmm. I wonder if they just kind of took it from whatever they saw online.
1: And of course, the other factor is in this case, Devil's Castle is run by a character named Lucifer. Right, right. So it makes sense in that context. Sure. But so, so the movie title uses the God version of Majin, but then confusingly, the actual movie credits refer to some of the creatures seen in the movie as Majin with the person
0: Kanji. Okay. So it was kind of in use there in that movie, even yeah. though the title wasn't necessarily.
1: Yeah. It, these are just like nameless Mook characters, and so they're named in the credits, and also what those like design images and some of the Daizenshu, it's just like Majin A, Majin B, Majin is C. Is it really?
0: Okay, got it.
1: And so that's um, movie two. And then very shortly after that, chronologically, was Dragon Ball episode 81, which is the uh, Goku goes to the demon world. And so So, which in in many ways is like a redo of... It's like the super version of DB Movie 2. Like if Dragon Ball Super retold that movie, I guess, in one episode. But got another demon lord character with a kind of castle and he has... Many of the same monster designs used in movie two, they reuse for this episode. And at one point, these guys are referred to as Majin. And the f- official subtitles on the Funimation DVDs, in this case, translated as Monster, similar to how Viz did it in the
0: case of Dr. Slump. And so we can say at that point, that would have been Clyde Mandolin doing the translations. Yeah. So I kind of want to stop here. And something that you mentioned earlier was the phrase Mazoku. We get that. Uh, in Dragon Ball, later on, with regard to the Demon King Piccolo, and um, the common translation there is the Demon Clan. So, can you explain to me how would Mazoku be different from Majin, other than just meaning slightly different things? I guess I'm talking more about as a title or as a descriptor. Or is there really no difference in how? Well, to the we thing,
1: use thing it? is, like, you couldn't use it as a title for an individual person. Like clan, it implies a group. Okay. And so that's kind of the difference. Sometimes they do actually, like in they refer to, if they refer to somebody as a Mazoku, it means he's a member of this clan. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of a distinction that really only comes across in translation, but it's like there's no single demon clan person. It's like you can't. It implies a group or a, yeah. And so it's like a ma, the members of the Mazoku would individually be Majin. Oh, all right. That's one way of looking at it.
0: Now, could Majin apply to various people as well, though? They
1: do. A lot of these terms, they are just used very loosely and interchangeably throughout different books
0: yeah. of fiction. Whatever they need to do at that time.
1: Yeah, it's hard to get too prescriptive about exact definitions. Um, I know I've like you see people actually argue like they say that the people killed by the Mazoku they don't go to the afterlife, and right, then right. people say like, well, does that is that why we don't see the Kaioshins killed by Boo? And like this is an argument I've seen various like Japanese fans make, which is interesting because it shows that to their minds, like mm-hmm. Boo being a Majin would have the same characteristics as a mazoku even though he's never directly called that so it's like
0: all right it's fascinating
1: you can see how it's kind of
0: fluid uh after this point are there no more mentions of majin until boo not
1: okay well not in the main series but there is in video games majin ozoto from oh that's true that arcade game
0: yeah and i guess i do want to talk about that because um as we're going along here something that i wanted to mention each way are or each step along the way, is what were those official translations of Majin in each case. So we talked about the Dr. Slump on where they kind of gloss over it with Monster. Uh, We talked about Dragon Ball Movie 2, where uh, it was a slightly different Majin, so that became Devil. We talked about that episode in the Dragon Ball TV series, where Clyde went with Monster. So Majin Ozoto, the interesting thing about uh the VRVS arcade game is that it came with its own internal English localization. In Majin Ozoto is rendered in English as Ozoto the Super Monster. So yeah, monster does seem to pop up a bit, and it's almost—I almost
1: wonder if they're going off of "ma" mean can mean magic, which can mean supernatural
0: power. So like a magical dude is a monster.
1: Yeah, super mon, like super. I probably overthinking it, but if no, you I, think, I get s- it. Yeah as uh, short for supernatural.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just a regular monster, but Imogen is like a super monster. Sure. I mean, it does kind of almost sound like they're
1: just using whatever English words they happen to know to translate yeah, this
0: whatever concept. sounds good. Sure,
1: sure. But I, I kind of like it at the same time. Part of me does wish that Funimation had gone with Boo the super monster.
0: I agree. <laughs> at least once. Uh, okay. So then that takes us... Uh, in. Around this time, too, Majin Buu. But uh, something I want to bring up is the use of Majin uh, as it relates to other characters. Something we've talked about is that there is no such mention of Majin Vegeta in the series itself proper. What's he usually referred to as? Like the the Demon Prince Returns, something like that? Well, in the series
1: itself, in the manga, there's a chapter title where he's referred to as like the Destructive Prince, Hakai Oji. Right, right, okay. And in the actual manga, at least, that's the closest we get to an official title. Mm-hmm. And then everything... I mean, there's no real reason in the context of the story for anyone to give them a special title at that point. But right, right. It, all, it only comes into playing video games where you've got you know this huge roster of alternate versions of Vegeta to choose from.
0: Right. And the point I want to make there is that for a while they used uh, that description of Vegeta for, uh, I think, back to CD track listings, um, Super Butoh Den 3 comes to mind. Uh, he's not called Majin Vegeta in a Japanese video game. I didn't do the proper fact-checking here, but it wasn't until the PS2 era. So we're like a decade removed from the manga before an official piece of Japanese merchandise refers to him as Majin Vegeta.
1: And the other thing to bring up there is that, so Vegeta in the story is never called a Majin, and we never see anyone, any other of Babidi's minions called Majin, but Yakan is described as a Maju, Ah. which is, it's the Ma again, and Ju, in this case, it's a beast. Right, right. So Kaioshin refers to him as this. And again, there's no explanation for what that means. Yeah, but he just
0: tosses it out there and you're supposed to go with it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the same setup as Buu. Call, he calls him Maju Yakon. And it seems like in this context, at least, it's like a, if Majin is a demon or magical person mm-hmm. and Maju, it's just the character for beast. It's like It seems like Yakan is essentially an animal version of whatever Buu is.
0: All right, so I think where we're going here is that Yakon would not be able to participate in the uh, God of Destruction selection tournament because he's just a mindless beast. The big takeaway. Ah, All right, we've solved the problem here, Jake. Case closed. So not just Yakon, but Spopovich, Yamu, Pui Pui. um, I I think the, the big question here is they all have the branding, though, so to speak.
1: And that does bring in the question of what exactly does that M symbol stand for? Because... In the English speaking fandom, we're kind of a trained to see it as being short for Majin because in not only the Funimation dub but the most of the official translations and most of the subtitles, Majin is left untranslated, whereas Bibidi, Bibidi is a Madoshi in Japanese, a wizard, and that's Mm -hmm. translated. And it's like, if you think about it, it actually makes a lot more sense for that to stand for explicitly referred to as Bibidi's like signature, his um, symbol. So it actually, it would make in that context more sense for it to be short for Madoshi than Majin. But it's never explained in the series, but then um, Toriyama in one of the full color comic Q and A's, he gave this very typically vague noncommittal answer where he's like, yeah, it just kind of stands for magic in general. So <laughs> All right. essentially, you know, it's the, the kanji ma, and so instead of doing that kanji, he just mm-hmm. did the letter M essentially to make all it right. a bit more unique or easier. Well, I mean, Piccolo had already got the trademark on the kanji on for yeah. Putting yeah. it all on all his stuff. So this is unique and easier to draw.
0: And that's uh, that's a, a very recent answer from Toriyama. I feel like the Madoshi versus Majin conversation was something that was had online for many, many years. Um, this kind of, I wouldn't say, Puts the final nail in the coffin there, but gives us a little bit more to work with. Um, that really brings us kind of to the end of the examples, unless there's anything in GT or Super going on that you can think of. I mean, not to my knowledge.
1: I guess if we're talking about translations, All of the Japanese merchandise, when they use English Mm -hmm. alphabet spellings, it's always Majin, left untranslated, and then with a a hyphen, and then Boo spelled O-O.
0: So um, I guess let's wrap up, like you just gave here, uh, other examples of the translations or non-translations. The Japanese merchandise, it's very consistently Majin boo Uh, with or without the hyphen, mostly with the hyphen, Majin in our alphabet. Um, Something you refer to, Viz, their English translation, is kind of like the biggest parallel here. Uh, Majin was translated into Jin. Boo the Jin or the Jin Boo. Uh, We never really got Majin left untranslated in Viz's translation, did we?
1: No. So usually they do use Jin, and then sometimes they throw Genie in there, I guess Mm -hmm. just for clarification.
0: Right, right, if you don't know that word. Well, that brings us to the big question here. Uh, We've outlined all these examples uh, outside of Dragon Ball, but even within Dragon Ball itself all these times that Majin has been translated as a, I would say a perfect parallel in our language and within our alphabet to get that meaning across. Uh, Like I said at the very beginning of the topic though, it's 2016. We're in a position where if you try to do anything different, you're basically just a crazy person that can be ignored. So are we stuck here even though I I feel like it's such a crazy situation where you have people that are the most diehard dub fans say, you know, stop using your Japanese term. Well, what the fuck, man? I mean, Majin's a Japanese term and you're tossing it out there like it's nothing. Like, are we stuck between a rock and a hard place here?
1: I mean, for to them, it essentially is nothing. It's just a gibberish word that refers to this character. Yeah. I mean, like in, well, like in Harry Potter where there's... If I knew, if I was a Harry Potter fan, I could come up with a really good example right now. (laughs) Right, sure. (laughs) You know, there's just, we're used to, I mean, there are lots of examples of just gibberish words in fiction that are used to refer Mm -hmm. to unique creatures. I guess that's how most, I mean... If you just watch, if you just watch the dub, you just accept it as what that yeah, yeah. guy is called.
0: And I know we've talked about that a lot. Where if you watch Funimation's dub, there's a lot of stuff you just accept. Uh, I know one of your biggest pet peeves is the half translation of King Kai. Where Kai is, is that his name? Well, no, that's actually just half of the word that they ignored. There um, is Majin a good enough parallel to that half translation there.
1: No, I think I think leaving it untranslated is a valid choice. I do think the only problem I have is that when somebody does choose to translate it, which is also a valid choice, people mm-hmm. who are used to it being untranslated just automatically jump on whoever translates it as they think there's something wrong with the translation when actually it's another legitimate way of adapting the term into English.
0: Yeah. And I think one last example of this translation I want to bring up, this is from 2013. Uh, if you remember that there was an IMAX version of Battle of Gods in Japan. Uh, It was very big, um, very heavily publicized. The uh, IMAX company actually put out their own English language press release about it. The interesting thing here is that you have this movie company that, yeah, they're working with Dragon Ball, but they're putting out their own press release, independent of Toei. And so they have these names and this outline of this script. And again, I use this word independent because it's completely independent of anyone else. They looked at it and they said, huh, okay, Majin Buu. They translated translated this as filling the 10-year story lapse after Demon Boo is defeated. That wasn't us translating a Japanese press release. That was a press release in English originally from IMAX, and they went with Demon Boo.
1: Like, none of this would be a problem if everyone, if people as a whole knew what the word Majin meant. They could just see that and go, oh, these people opted to translate it. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're in this weird position where a lot of people just don't know what it means. So whenever they see something not different to what they're used to. They just assume it's wrong or they're confused or... I mean, it's not really their fault, but it's just it's a pointlessly complicated situation.
0: If we were to ignore the entire history of this franchise, if we got this fresh, we were a completely independent organization and we were assigned to translate the Dragon Ball series. And Jake, this is the wild fantasy world that I think a lot of people have. Jake, you're in charge of translating Dragon Ball. You get to the story after Cell is defeated. You get this character introduced in Japanese as Majin Buu. What do you do?
1: I mean, it's obviously hard to really put myself in that position. I know you can't do it, can you? But just looking at the majority of ways that the term does get handled whenever it pops up in different series, I would think that anyone, any hypothetical person starting fresh would probably translate it one way or another. I think Dragon Ball is like the main example of it being left untranslated in an official um, English translation of a series. I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is another example I kind of didn't mention earlier, but so I would think that, I don't know, in some the version of me that exists in like Universe 85, uh yeah, the would probably translate it as Monster or something like that.
0: Now, why would you opt for Monster versus Genie versus Jin?
1: Well, I—it's hard to. I think, well, personally, I probably prefer to do Genie just because he has a lot of Genie imagery. Yeah, like uh, re- recently, actually, I was just watching the uh, Thief of Baghdad, which is this '40s movie, which was kind of like the inspiration for Disney's Aladdin. Okay, where it's like it's got a villain named Jafar, and there is a genie in that who is very, like, just even watching it, he was very reminiscent of Boo in that he appears in smoke and he's actually a jerk. Like, he's not... Not (laughs) Like, compared to the Disney version, you know, with the lovable Robin Williams version of the character, this guy, he's, like, he's the original conception of a genie where he's only working for his master because he's been freed from his prison. Mm. And, like, he doesn't like his master. So, like, when his wit... He agrees to do three wishes, and then when those are up, he just leaves even though his master is like in danger of imminent death. Yeah, so, it's yeah. like, you know, he just explicitly doesn't care. And it's very, the whole relationship, it's very similar to Bibbity to Bobbidi and Boo in the series. Yeah, yeah, it definitely sounds it. So, I mean, it's obviously, it's hard to give a straight answer to like what I would do if I was starting fresh because I can't do that. But I think probably Genie or, well, I still do like the sound of Super Monster, but I guess I wouldn't be starting fresh. I probably wouldn't come up with that without the example of that arcade game.
0: Well, I think at this point we're... uh We're still going with Majin Buu on the site because it's tough, man. It's really tough. You don't want to completely alienate the, again, over 30 years of Dragon Ball fandom, and in this country, 20 years of Dragon Ball fandom, and even pre-Funimation. I mean, there were fans out there, and they just referred to him as Majin Buu online. So it's like, that's what he's always been. And I don't know that it's our place to change that, but I think having that discussion um could maybe at least open a couple other eyes. And um I think the, the way I want to phrase it is, all right, maybe we lost the battle on Majin Buu. Maybe there are some other examples of character names out there. Um, I definitely want to translate all of the uh, Turtle Hermit, Turtle Sage names. That's how I feel. I don't want to leave that stuff untranslated anymore. Mm.
1: I mean, again, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with leaving Majin untranslated, I do, as opposed to, I actually don't think leaving Kami untranslated is inherently bad either, but it's been used in the past as a way of kind of obscuring the fact that the character's a god. Yeah, yeah. So I, no one's, like, it's not like Funimation is trying to obscure that Boo is actually a genie. They just chose not to translate it. Right. So, like again, I don't think there's. It's not anyone's fault that a lot of people just don't know what Majin means. But
0: yeah, it's just the circumstances of the franchise. I don't know. You mentioned King Kai
1: earlier. So, and a, a, a parallel: if Funimation had handled Majin like they did King Kai, they would have called him like Ma Man Boo <laughs> or something <Right>. ridiculous like <laughs> sure, that. Sure, sure. So it's we're very fortunate that didn't happen.
0: Oh no! I kind of like that. Can we use that on the site? My man, boo. Starting tomorrow, we'll change the word filter and everything. All right, Heath, get on that. Oh, Jake, let's bring our topic to a close. Before I get rid of you, though, uh, people uh, can follow some really fun stuff on Twitter right now. You're doing a watch slash rewatch of uh, the entire franchise, starting from the beginning. You haven't seen a good portion of some of this Dragon Ball stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I'm right in the middle of the big chunk of episodes I've never seen before, which was essentially after the 21st tournament to... A- about the first quarter of the Piccolo arc because for nonsensical reasons, I know I got the, the, you know, Funimation had the Piccolo part one and part two sets back in the day. Right. The two disc sets. So I, when I, I went to the store one day and they had part two and not part one. And so because of that, I winded up never getting part one until, you know, years later. And then I never watched it because I was always
0: planning on doing a big marathon that I not gotten to until, right now. Well, I mean, even beyond that, they were releasing everything at that time out of order, not just DBZ, where we didn't get the end of the cell arc on home video till the end. Uh, they put out the Piccolo stuff before they put out, say, the end of the Red Ribbon stuff on DVD. So, I mean, never mind just part two over part one. There was an entire story arc that you couldn't get yet because it came out later.
1: Well, I think they released with a uh, part one and two of p- the Piccolo arc. I think they released it in order. They just at whatever best buy or no, no, I no. back in the day. No,
0: I, I, yes, yes. I mean, those two parts I think they may have even come out the exact same day, but I'm saying the rest of the show, the arcs were out of order. So follow along with Jake, uh, and then we're actually recording after Dragon Ball Super, and there's always good super talk, so um, follow along, but then all that stuff does make it onto the website proper, uh, as soon as the rest of us can get around to cleaning things up. So our topic at this point, our recording is just about to hit 45 minutes. Uh, I didn't really expect it to go that long, but I loved having this chat. So thanks, Jake. Yeah, no problem. All right. well our topic is now officially over. Let's Let's wrap up the show, shall we? Thanks to Jake for joining me right after Dragon Ball Super <laughs> the previous evening. We uh, ran right in from one Dragon Ball piece of work to another Dragon Ball piece of work. That is it for this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed everything. Uh, I love the language stuff. and We'll keep doing that. And like I said earlier, we'll keep doing the game stuff as well. And that's all going to be mixed in with all the uh, normal contemporary stuff. Super is the important thing going on. We will continue keeping on up and up with that. So let's talk about next week. Next week's show is episode 400 to me 10 years felt like a bigger milestone but i kind of can't avoid the fact that 400 is a very nice big round number and it seems like that's uh worthy of some kind of celebration so in honor of that next week on the show someone i am embarrassed that i have not had on the show proper before we've talked with him a little bit over on the one piece side of things and technically uh he contributed to one of the dbz video game music extravaganza episodes incidentally enough with the uh, legends music greg werner is on the podcast next week these days you might know greg from his contributions to the one piece podcast and um yeah. perhaps more importantly his work uh, actually with shueisha in japan you'll hear he's got an article in V and it works on the official japanese one piece website greg though i consider the first of the second generation of Dragon Ball website maintainers here in uh, North America in the English speaking fandom. Greg started the Ultimate DBZ Info site in uh, mid-1997. I came shortly thereafter uh, with a slew of other people in uh, early 1998. But in 97, in a world post-Wuken, post Daimao, post-Curtis Hoffman, post Um, it was Greg SRE and then it turned into myself and Mary. Uh, We had Chris Saros a little bit later on. Like That was all kind of second generation. Greg was really the pioneer of that group. We were all a little bit younger than the old guard and we came in swinging not really knowing what the hell we were doing or what we were talking about. Um, So that's what I talk about with Greg next week. I've actually already recorded the topic so I know everything that there is to share here. We talk about discovering the series, getting involved with and writing for Beckett. Uh, If you were at that particular age point back when uh, Dragon Ball was in its heyday here in America you were probably picking up the Beckett DVZ collector magazines. Greg had articles in there. We talked about that. Uh, Traveling to Japan, the transition to One Piece fandom and everything in between there. It was a great talk, great conversation. Real happy to share that with you next week on episode 400 of our podcast here at Konzenshu. Greg has been a longtime friend of, um, prior to the podcast, going all the way back there to 97. Uh, He continues to be a friend and associate of Kanzen Shu. We're glad that he's still out there. So enjoy that next week. That brings this here episode to a close. This has been 399 of our podcast, www.kanzenshuu.com. That is Kanzen I don't have a whole hell of a lot else to share with you, so I'll wrap it up there. See you next time, folks. Bye bye.